everyone. My name is Joel McLeod. I'm Jonathan. And welcome to the 905er. Uh, coming off the last three Tuesday episodes, we were focusing on our, our examination of the various party platforms as they come out. We covered uh, the NDP, the Greens, and now it is the t- it is time for the Liberal Party to uh, get our analysis uh, or or spite. I don't know. I don't know what the, it, you tell. It. We'll figure out by the end what uh, what what we think of it. Um, but I, just I guess out of matter of uh, utmost transparency and, and truthfulness to you, our faithful listener. Uh, it should be noted. I used to work for the uh, Liberals back in the day. Roland was a Riding Association president back in the day. We've since uh, and canceled our memberships, canceled our donations. We are uh, no longer with the party uh, in any capacity, um, official or, or otherwise. Uh, we're, we're no longer sitting at the table. This is what we're saying. So we're we're learning this just as much as you are, and this is our God's honest opinion on what works and what doesn't in this uh, in this platform. So absolutely. Uh, on that note. Why, why don't we start off with, I guess it's the three E's that we thought we, we liked about this one. Uh, education, the economy, and the environment. Uh, we thought were, uh, were, were they really did gangbusters on this. Let's start off with education. Um, so I, if, you, if you flash back to our episode with Stephen Del Duca a few weeks ago, we, we interviewed him, and one of the questions I asked him was, what was the one legacy policy that he would want to change for the better in Ontario should he become premier? His answer was education. He wanted to fo- he wanted to make our schools uh, in in this province better and improve uh, after his his te- his potential tenure as premier. I have to say, judging from this platform, that it would be indeed his legacy uh, should he be, if he becomes premier. Uh, so to kind of highlight it, we're talking capping all classes, and this is important, all grades, so K through twelve. Now possibly thirteen at twenty students. That's two zero. That's huge. Uh, you know, considering what the classes are at, are like right now, twenty students is a big thing. And, you know, and that would be requiring hiring more stu- more teachers, uh, building more probably building more schools, or at least in improving current uh, infrastructure in the school system uh, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I felt the same. I mean, it, that's what it leaped out at me. And that, that I was, as I read through, I was kind of disappointed in some places, um, and in other places, not greatly impressed. And we'll come on to that. But, but in terms of, you know, a kind of number that 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 stares you in the face and kind of really means something to anybody who's been to a school, which after all is all of us, uh, capping class sizes at twenty is 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 a big deal. I mean, uh, I was saying before we came on, you know, I, I back in the <laughs> different distant time, uh, you know, in a different country. I can remember our class sizes being in the 30s to high 30s. And, and as as those numbers crept up under uh, the government at the time, it seemed, you know, even to me, even as a child, that, that it was obvious that, that that was the difference between a, a class that was basically controllable by a teacher and right. a class that was often just chaotic. Um, and, and so 20 is, I, I think that would be a, a fantastic. And it, yeah, I mean, we have to say that you know, the NDP have suggested that they would bring this too, but it's to 24 and only under only for grade eight and downwards. So yeah, on that on that policy alone, that similar policy, the OLP have kind of you know won that. that well, I, absolutely. I, as a <laughs> as a parent of a of a two children in this system, you know, thinking of my my kids having only 
19 other classmates in a, in their classroom. It would be transformative. I mean, there'd be a lot more tension, um, uh, a lot more ease on teachers to be able to focus on, you know, educating and, and going into details and helping in those troubles, troublesome areas that always arise. Students just don't get it. They do not get a, a topic or a subject and the teacher is able to focus more attention to help them through it as we expect teachers to do. Uh, so I think that's fantastic. Um, the, the other big thing, I, there's a lot of other things that, that are, I think work really well in the education platform. Um, you know, and it's re bringing back grade 13. So if listeners are of a certain age, might remember OAC. I am, I was one of those people, thir grade 13. It, that's a good, it, it can be a good thing. Maybe not. I know a lot of students already take, they call it the victory lap. They stick around for one more year anyways, in some cases, but, um, Updating their curriculum to add more indigenous French and diverse and modern learning. I like that as well. I mean, we should always be updating the curriculum to more modern standards and, you know, le learning what happened yesterday, so to speak. But what I think is the biggest plus of this platform uh, uh, on education is the, the investment that they want to make into clearing out the backlog and repairs and new builds that need to happen for the actual infrastructure of our schools. There are a lot of schools, as we learned throughout the pandemic, a lot of schools were just badly in need of HVAC uh, repairs, as, a, as an example. Uh, the, the liberals are promising to try and clear that backlog. And the way that they say they're going to pay for that is they're saying that the money that the current Ford government is earmarked for Highway 413 that uh, we believe it's about $6 billion is the estimated cost of that, if I'm not mistaken. They're going to take that money, instead of building a highway with it, they're going to put it into the schools, literally into schools, which I, I like I like that kind of thinking. That's that's where that $6 billion should be spent. Um, so I I, I like uh, I like what I'm hearing. A 10, a 10 billion, yeah. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, that, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, and I guess when... And to extent, um, kind of saying we'll, we'll take money out of this pot and put it into this pot is obviously somewhat artificial. You know, it's like saying we'll raise your taxes by one cent, but we guarantee that goes into pay for X. And that's just not the way the kind of finance works. But I mean, actually, in this case, it kind of does work because if you're cancelling a project, that money has budgeted. It's, yeah. it's kind of in the sister's take it pot. Um, and I certainly think, you know, to spend that sum of money on a road that really, you know, it's a road to nowhere. For. Yeah. It's I mean, a road to nowhere. It, exactly. Yeah. I, I yeah, I mean that, that makes evidence. Um there's a, there's so, one last thing on the education front that I, I want to point out is uh, in the post secondary sphere. Uh and this is a big one. Cover the tuition costs for those who need it. So presumably those who are of lesser means uh on on the the poverty scale, I believe. Um there'll be a fund I'm just scrolling through here to, to get to that point, but a, an effort will be made to cover uh, those the, uh, uh, those tuition costs, which is great. I mean, we, ideally, we I think we should work towards making the first the first degree should be on the government. After that, you're, if you want to get a master's or a second one, that that can be on you. Um, but stuff like that is what we need to uh, we need to be hearing. Oh, and there's also and this will come back. This will come back and bite them in the butt, but it's a good thing while we saw it. Uh, they're going to be hiring 1,000 mental health workers for students and staff in the education system, which we like to hear. That's a very good thing. 
This is also something that when we come in the latter half, we're going to be coming back to say, this is not such a good thing. We'll explain, we'll explain later. It's a good thing, uh, but, and we'll, there's a big but on it. Part two of the, uh, yeah, we like Yeah, there's a, there's a big (laughs) but on the, on this at at the moment, I'm afraid. But for the time being, in, in the actual school system, it's great. So when students are, are, might be diagnosed with some form of mental illness, uh, there'll be workers in the system to actually work with them. Which is a good thing, but stay tuned for the uh, the downside. Um, but that, that, so all, all in all, education is a good. It's a really it's clear that this is a huge priority for the Stephen Del Duca potential liberal government. I I like what I'm reading so far on it. I I would very much like to see a lot of these these policies implemented into the education system. Uh, Just I mean we we couldn't do this. Uh... The previous point because all the platforms weren't out and obviously the PCs still haven't issued a platform and, and probably won't. Um, but what we can do now is kind of compare and contrast in a sense. So I mean, we, um, the NDP has suggested you know uh, that they would simply convert the current loans-based education, you know, further education system and higher education system to uh, to a, a grant space. Um, and that that, that has a, something to be said for it. I mean, that gets rid of the debt entirely. Um, so we can compare that. I mean, um, now I'm trying to remember. I believe that there. Were, I can't think back this far, but before 2018, that fees for post-secondary education were eliminated and cancelled by. Of course. I mean, I stand to be corrected on that, but I think it was a fairly major initiative that is now escaping my brain. No, there, there was. was ta- I remember there was talking. The, the, there was not talk bringing back. that back. Is is what. Yeah, there's, you know, there's talking back some, in the, a smaller version back, but. but there was talk back in the day. You're right of eliminating for I think it was for um, those on the on the low end of the of the poverty scale or or, or in, in poverty they would get free tuition. That I believe you're right. That was canceled by the Ford government because why not? Um, but that's the education platform in a nutshell. Um, there's a lot more in there that we didn't cover because this is only really a 45 minute podcast. So onwards and upwards environment it's yeah there. i mean environment again i mean it, it we are able to compare and contrast and my my kind of initial disappointment replaced fairly quickly by by a kind of feeling that you know okay well obviously the greens are going to be the most are going to promise the most just you know that, that this is the why they exist is expect no party to other party to go quite as far as they do on that thing but um the liberals certainly go a hell of a lot further than the ndp on this um yeah. and and for me, that boils down to, well, there's a few things. I mean, completely eliminating all carbon-based fuel from, you know, hydro generation. So they got rid of coal in the in 2000s. A commitment to get rid of gas, um, uh, you know, that that um, that's that's not nothing. You know, I mean, it's... Uh, now, it would have been easier, but as we saw in recent weeks, the fact that the Pickering is being retired, the Pickering uh, nuclear power station, as being retired, it's actually meaning that we're going to be turning to gas power generation a lot more than than we should be in the years ahead. And uh, there's no talk well, in the I, platform about whether they're, they're thinking of more nu- nuclear um, power generation, but but it's certainly well, that's, something that needs to be. They're going to have to do that, or definitely expand the solar and wind, uh, and and tie that into some kind of massive battery uh, capture and storage system. That's that's the that is the kind of the Achilles heel is those those details, but they are making a commitment, and that's you know be our job to hold them accountable to it. Yeah, and they they I mean basically these numbers I'm going to say I think are I don't think anybody should have a platform that doesn't have these targets, and so they say well 
we're going to cut greenhouse gas by 50% below 2005-2030, and we we'll net zero in 2050. Now, I think the Greens were like, will be net zero. I mean, obviously, okay. very ambitious. Again, that's yep. the Green Party that, that they're going to do. What, the one thing the that DPs I think... do not mention those numbers. They are not oh, in no. their platform. And I think that's completely unforgivable in this day and age. Well, the end, to the not end of... even talk about when we expect to be carbon neutral. You, you and, point out, and, and you point out though, emissions. that offline that the NDP also were basically copying um, the former liberal plan, the cap-and-trade program. They want The NDP want to bring back a cap-and-trade system, whereas the liberals are talking about... They don't really mention it because I think they realize, oh, there's a carbon pricing program already in effect now at the federal level they'll probably just leave that in place um so they don't need to worry about starting something up around they're just like it's there we're done with it now where it takes um where i, I like seeing and there's something that's common amongst the ndp the greens and the liberals is uh, massive subsidies on for you and i on purchasing an electric vehicle uh which is uh which is important if we're going to actually start tackling our emissions, especially here in the 905, switching from the internal combustion engine to an EV uh, EV transit needs to be done quicker. Also, again, we've had uh, Flavio Volpe on to talk about the APMA and manufacturing here in uh, here in uh, Ontario, especially here in the 905. All the auto parts jobs that are, exist here, we need we need to be able to buy these products. Um, that's something that always boggle my mind with the, the Ford government saying we want to turn it into the, the electric vehicle manufacturing center of North America. Yet none of us, every other state in south of the border has some kind of, or there's a federal subsidy or like it's, they make it cheap to buy an electric car. Uh, that doesn't exist here. We don't, we don't, all we have is $5,000 from the federal government. That's it. There's no subsidy right now on the books here in Ontario. I'm very emboldened by the fact that the liberals, the, the NDP and the Greens all want to bring in some form of subsidy. I like I like that, and I'm, I hope that that uh, you know that that's good. Um, well, I mean, yeah, it will be much, much as I think reducing car dependence ultimately. You know, I can't have this conversation and not mention the ultimate objective of reducing the amount we we depend on cars. Ultimately, at the same mm -hmm. time, we're going to need cars <laughs> in the foreseeable future, and they have to be electric. So let's let's get on that thing and get the prices to a point where uh, where they're competitive with 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 gas engine cars. As soon as the next car I yep. buy, I would like to be electric. If I was buying a car today, that would be difficult um, objective actually meet. So yeah, here's hoping. Um, um, the other, the other yeah, thing. I mean, I mean again, I felt on this front the P do considerably better than the ND, which has been the kind of reputation in in recent history. And I don't know why that is, why the ND would allow them to be kind of less radical on this subject than than, than the Liberals. I don't see what they win. You know um, what? It's like, that might... you know, steal the Liberals' green credential. You know, I'm giving advice to parties, which I like to do from time to time. <laughs> it's like steal the Liberals' I, credentials on this. I, I, I don't know. I know I, maybe that's a different episode for a different time. Uh, or maybe we'll do that on, on election night. Yeah. Um, the last E that we were looking at was... Uh, this is a big one for me, uh, the economy. And I'm really psyched uh, by the fact that the liberal platform seems to be the only platform that actively seems to address the fact that we are in a different economic world post-COVID. Um, their, their, their economic platform is essentially a lot of encouraging small businesses uh, to 
kind of come out of the out of the the pandemic strong. Um, there's talk of helping uh, two you know for two years small businesses that were uh, by eliminating corporate taxes for them. Uh, they're talking about eliminating incorporation fees for new business startups, uh, reducing regulatory burdens on small business, capping credit card fees, capping commission fees. Uh, um, all, all the all these things that they seem small, but they really do add up. If you're a small business, like there's a huge amount of red tape and fees that are corporate are trying to start something up. I like the fact that you're going to try and encourage that more so because we we all hear of the shortage, the labor shortage, the shortages that are happening, and I a lot of it is people saying, I don't want to go back to my old horrible job. I want to work from home. I want to do a business from home, but to incorporate, eliminating all those fees would do a, go a great way to helping actual businesses get off the ground, uh, which is great. The other thing that I, I am really jacked about um, is finally somebody talks about sick days for workers, providing 10 paid sick days for all workers and banning employer, employer required doctor's notes is a big thing, especially coming into uh, out of post COVID. You and I have both meant. I I mentioned how when I got COVID, I was pretty much out for almost two weeks um, with the, with just symptoms or just not feeling well. It took me a good while to get back on my feet. Ten paid sick days would go a long way of saying no. I can stay home, recuperate, get better, come back when I'm ready. Uh, and then they're they're going to reimburse businesses for this cost of up to two hundred dollars a day, which is a great thing. Um, another big push is the launch for the four-day work week, which is fantastic. You know, who wouldn't want an extra Friday or Monday off? Uh, Tuesday is the new Monday, I guess. I don't know. It, I mean, uh, it, yeah, and then they say it's a, a demonstration to show the potential. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's not a matter of, of, us, of, of us all getting an extra day off and not doing the work. It, it, it's a matter of giving people the flexibility to work when they want to. Yeah. Which has always seemed it always seemed crazy. It's like, no, no, you have to work between nine to five on these five days. It's like, yeah. why? Why can't I work? I mean, as a self-employed person now, I know my work patterns are highly irregular. I wish they were more regular. Um, you know, so I'd like to know what a six-day week is because it tends to be kind of seven. Yeah. But that's my own choice as my own inefficiencies, which which make it so. You know, I have that the, flexibility, so I'm not complaining. And the other, the, the other thing I think is important and I want to touch upon uh, in the post-COVID world is protecting gig workers. And I know when I, I, you th hear that word gig workers, you're going to think of the skip the dishes drivers or the Uber drivers, and you're thinking of those people. But that's a lot more, there's a lot more to that than just those, uh, those workers. Um, if, you, if you look at uh, gig, you know, the gig economy, you have um, if websites like Upwork, or Fiverr, where if you're a professional looking to sell your services, such as graphic designer, podcast editing, um, uh, a, a, a script writing, all that stuff that you say, well, I can do that for you for a modest fee. That's a gig. You're going from gig to gig to protect work that, you know, your, your right to be paid on time to protect your, 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 your pay schedules and, and your fees and as well as possible access to benefits. That would go a long way, and especially as we know for a fact that people are going more and more into this work field, I like the fact that they're they're talking about addressing it and trying to say no. We need this isn't a these are no longer side hustles. For a lot of people, to say this is my this is my job. I can go grab a contract for a month, grab a contract for two or three months, make some money, move on to the next one. Uh, I like that the liberals are are finally addressing this and saying this is this is the new reality. Uh, post COVID, we need to take action on it. Yeah, and I mean, again, I mean, I probably also somewhat in the gig work here. 
saying those as a small business owner, um, you know, and it depends what you define as a small business, the sole proprietors and the partnerships and get defined in different ways sometimes. Yeah. But there's, yeah, I, I know that, that getting to the point where my business could afford to pay for health benefits was like a huge point because, I mean, <laughs> damn, it's expensive. It is. But damn, you really need to have it. Yeah, uh, it is. And, and, and finding, finding a way to do that was true. So, 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 yeah, helping that, that's, yeah, it's a, it's a small, it, 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 you know what, and I'll be kind of frank that I skimmed right past that and didn't notice it, but it's one of those things where it's like, oh, okay, actually thinking about it, it's kind of a big deal. Um, it, it is. It's one of those things like we're kind of coming out of this. I, I, I'm, I'm emboldened to see it because it's the, one of the few part, platforms that really kind of acknowledge the fact that we're in a different world post-COVID-19. We you know we might be getting out of the, the you know, the, the masking debate and whatnot, but the fact that people are just saying, no, I'm, I'm done with the nine to five rat rat race world. I'm taking back ownership. I like the fact that liberals are leaning into that and saying we're going to help help you kind of make, we're going to make this into a normal, which is good. The other uh, slight benefit, slight thing, Del Duca mentioned it on our interview, and it's worth noting again. They are talking about bringing back their uh, their UBI uh, initiative, uh, restarting that to to see that. So that's also another uh, another thing that to help uh, help workers. Uh, transition into that. So I've been talking for too long about the pluses. Uh, let's take a break and we'll come back and then we'll find all the holes that we can drive Mack trucks and uh, and shipping crates through. <laughs> and we're back. So while we talked about the good things that worked on this platform, there's a lot of not so good things. And uh, Roland, why don't you... Uh, outline that for our listeners yeah i mean the entire section of this platform on housing development i hate <laughs> <laughs> uh, i mean actually there's a oh do go on here do go on but the bulk of it frankly could be with could be in conservative pc platform if they ever bothered to write them um this is a pro developer platform this this platform contains nothing to upset developers now they and it's also the one part of the platform where, where I felt there were, you know, sentences that just aren't entirely honest. Um, and that, that really annoys me. Um, the, the other, other than this section, I didn't really come across it. I, I think I commented it when we were the platform. It annoyed me how often how often they mentioned other parties and also that some of the things they said about the other parties just weren't true, um, such as the Liberals did nothing for transit was the one that I, just drove me nuts because it's like, that's just a flat-out lie, you know? Um, you know, and here we got uh, the liberals, or the authors of this platform, saying, you know, that, that uh, Doug Ford has, has um, encouraged sprawl and weakened the the things that encourage development in urban centres. That's not true. He's done nothing. You know, all the rules that were there before are still there. He's just made them easier to build everywhere. So yeah, sprawl, but also downtown. I mean, everything he's done is is. What I really, you know, disliked about this platform was complete failure to, um, you know, the weakening of municipal powers and actually suggestions of further thing, further powers that should be taken away from. You know, this is ultimately about democracy. The, the way that the provincial parties view it is that municipal governments can't be trusted because they're small-minded and stupid. Well, fine. If you think that, just abolish the whole level of damn government and do it yourself and be honest. That's not what they do. They talk about partnering with municipalities. Weasel words like uh, "will uh, encourage municipalities to do X." A quote. If I could on. just, if I could just jump in there for a second. There's a, there's a note here that I've always found. I thought that 
you're right. This thing is very much about just build, build, build. And then when you want to go talk about local municipal governments, they, 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 they're, I find that this, they kind of gloss over it. There's no, um, there's no concrete things. And to give you an example, the Ontario, this is a quote from their uh, campaign on page, uh, uh, our platform on page 14. The Ontario Liberals will empower municipalities to accelerate housing projects, make building homes a priority in growth planning legislation, work with municipalities to expand zoning options, help and reward municipalities that meet or exceed higher housing targets. Um, like I, I've never, I've never heard of a municipality that doesn't want more housing. It's the question of how do you get there? There's no talk uh, of, you know, they, 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 they don't, they're not talking about the core beef. We, we, we talked with John Taylor of new mayor of Newmarket uh, last month. And his beef was like, he said, we're not, they're not against development. It's development for Newmarket and by extension, all the various municipalities across the 905 and across the province. Each one says, well, we don't, we want to look our, our way. We want to make our city unique. Give us the power to just say, no, you can't build that here. We, we, we want X. And this, this document doesn't really go into that. It doesn't really, and that the problem is right now, the, the, the developers know how to game the system, right? I throw in a, a condo tower that's far above your slated uh, your your official plans bare minimum. You say nope, we don't approve it. Well, I'm taking it to the OLT. They take it to the OLT, and the OLT is so overwhelmed with various uh, files from across the province. They pretty much say, yep, okay, I'll will allow it. With maybe a few minor minor, you'd say, okay, you wanted a tw uh, 25 story condo. Well, here's a compromise. It's not 20. Developer still gets more than what what the the, the zoning allowed. There's no talk about fixing that system. There's no talk yeah. about actually taking going into this and saying, how can we fix the system? Because right now the developers cry wolf, but it's, they, they know what they're doing. They know how to game the system to get what they want. And it just perpetually puts off building the homes that we need now down the road. There's no, there's, it's just talking like empower municipalities to accelerate housing projects. How, how are you well, going yeah, to do that? And I, I think I know what they mean when they say that. Uh, and what they mean by empower municipalities is take power away from municipalities and make it even harder for municipalities to control what and where it happens. Now, they say local communities know best where it, when it comes to where and how to build more homes. I, I'd love to believe that, but I don't. And when you're not even mentioning in any significant way the OLT, uh, which was formerly the LPAT, formerly the ON, um, and, and, and the problems that causes, then you're not you're not really dealing with anything and you're not being honest about mm. it. Um, We'll update Ontario's growth planning framework to recognize that building homes for all and current future Ontarians is a fundamental obligation of local governments. Do you think local governments don't know that? I mean, basically, planning and housing is what local government does about 70% of the time. I mean, it's that's why they exist. Huge chunk of the, yeah. The problem is that all that work that they do, which is very expensively worked on by highly paid staff, is routinely then shredded by the OLT. Uh, uh, you know, and it's like duplication of work, apart from anything else, is, is off the chain. Uh, you know, everybody's been encouraging local government to do what it can to, to approve housing and allow housing. That's, the issue is how we control what type of housing, where it is, and how we pay, for, how, for, how we make sure that the right type of housing is being built and, and not, you know, the developers will want to build a particular type of housing, which is cheap to build, easily approved, 
um, and doesn't really involve them yeah. in any ongoing responsibilities. And then that's natural because that's obviously less profitable. The problem is the housing we need is rental. It has a big ongoing responsibility. Difficult to build well, because it's in it's not in greenfield sites. It's you know it's the most the housing we need is the most problematic. And there's nothing here that's, that's challenging any of that. Other than I will say the the these kind of uh, as of right building in single-family home neighborhoods, which both the NDP, the Greens, and the Liberals all have in one yeah. way or another. And that, um, that is a good thing. So I will give credit I, I, where it's true. I just there. want to jump in um, to clear up. They do, the, the platform does mention the Ontario Land Tribunal uh, on page 16 of the platform. Uh, however, it's, I find it's a little lackluster. Uh, we'll clear, we'll, we'll clear backlogs wherever they exist, including by investing an additional $15 million annually into the Ontario Land Tribunal and Landlord and Tenant Board, as well as properly equipping provincial ministries to effectively and efficiently review land use applications. Well, throwing money at this problem is not... the most paragraph yeah. the whole thing. I mean, that, that, throwing that money at this is not going to fix this problem. It's I mean, a structural. Taking what the Conservatives spent four years doing and saying, yeah. you see what Doug Ford just did for four years? Let's do that, but more. And we'll give him an extra 15 million to do some more of it. And, you know, what, do, what, what does a politician mean when they say properly equipping provincial ministries to effectively review land use applications? It means the province will decide what happens with a land use application. That's not local democracy. That's abolishing here's, local democracy, here, and I the, hate it. <laughs> here's, here's what this is about. They want the free. They want to do what the Tories did, and the free market will supply uh, housing units to fill the demand. Here's the problem with that logic. The free market so far has done a piss poor job of of handling that. The free market doesn't actually give us an option. The free market of just developers building units to sell to us is basically uh, more sprawl, so more. Uh, single-family housing, which might be too big for some families to use, or the option is 20-story condo towers with, or 20 with each unit being one or two bedrooms that doesn't really fit the needs of families of various sizes, various needs. There is no, there's no middle to accommodate. There's no, that's, and that's where the free market is, right? You might have a family that says, well, I need a three-bedroom apartment to rent, or I want a townhouse to rent, or I do need a, full, a fully detached home and I'm willing to spend the money for it. That free market doesn't exist, but this is assuming. Oh, the the developers will build that. So far, they haven't. I don't see a reason why they would. Why they would in the future? Well, and the whole history of housing the world I, I, over. I, I also, mean, I've said said this before, and I'll say it again. The history of housing the world over is that the free market doesn't build affordable housing. It builds slums, no. and when it can't build slums, it builds the closest thing it can get to a slum. Yeah, but here's the here's the other problem with it is that we need if you're going to expect the free market to bring down or plateau housing prices, which is really what this is about. This is about kind of curbing the, the housing market in this province. You need all those units on the market now. This doesn't make that happen. All this does is perpetuates the, the argumentative and combative nature that it currently exists in our housing development stat, state um, and just says we're going to keep doing it, except we're just going to try and push more onto the market. So. Basically, like we're gonna, what will happen is, I'm I'm city A. I say here's my plan. It doesn't mean worth squat. Developer comes and says I want to build a 40 story condo tower. We say no, that's over the zoning permit. I'm gonna appeal it to the land, land tribunal. You put it to the land tribunal. Land tribunal says okay. Instead of 40 stories, we'll give you 30. Developer says okay, I can win. I can work with that. You walk away. You build your tower. Move on to the next one. All of which this takes. This is the process over. 
years, years before shovels even get into the ground and foundations are laid and we actually get construction years before the unit is actually put on the market for people to buy and sell and move into. This doesn't speed up anything. Um, oh, but, and, and the process I've seen over a few years is just that, you know, the, the, the speed of changes in regulation from provincial government comes at such a rate that all the documents that, that control planning at a local level are a constant state of appeal and revision. So you ne they never get to a state where they're actually done. I mean, Burlington's mm -hmm. been going through this official plan review thing for long before 2018. So go back to 2015, so when that process started. It's now 2022. It's nowhere near ending. By the time it does end, it, it will have been effectively ripped up again by the provincial government two times over, at least. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a farce, you know, and, and I get mad about it, you know, not just the housing, because things are done badly, but because we need good local government. Uh, you know, we spend week after week, we bitch about local governments on this podcast and, and the stuff that's wrong with them. Um, and I think part of the reason we get bad local governments is because who the hell would want to do this job where, where you're, you know, it's all responsibility and no power. You know, unless you're the kind of egotistical moron who, who actually likes having a capped off to them but having no actual influence over them very much, why would you want to do that job? And now I was one of those morons four years ago. But I mean, <laughs> I've learned the error of my ways. <laughs> well, um, I and in that situation, we're going to get bad people running for the job because, like, well, anybody who actually knows enough about local government doesn't want to yeah. do it because it sucks. Here's the thing. We're coming up on the end of this podcast. Let's. What, what, what's your overall impression of this platform? I mean, like, I mean, it's like the like the Parsons knows, or was it not the Parsons knows? Like the like the curious egg. It's, it's, I mean, there's some really good stuff in here, and it's, and it's very much. I kind of feel like that's very much a Stephen Del Duca platform. That you know that this is a man from Vaughan, uh, which is the capital of development, Ontario. He he's also a politician who grew up in the Greg Sabara. Uh, Dalton McGinty school of liberalism, which, which which emphasized education. I mean, that, that was McGinty's thing. I know people will be screaming about, well, that didn't end up so well. But for the first however many years of, of the McGinty government, really it was like ending strife in education and actually pouring a lot of money into education. Um, you know, and, and so he's kind of following that, that, that plan and great. Yeah, the development side of things, not good. I mean, that we haven't mentioned that, you know, the mental health side of things, we need to come back to that. Um, this was incredibly disappointing on the mental health. I mean, there are things in here which are good, but compared to both the Greens and NDP, you know, the NDP promising basically to make mental health a full part of OHIP. Um, should, any, well, it's out, just a phrase. What this does that is, actually mean? But, this is the but, but that we had earlier on in the episode, yeah. folks. That and it's a big, it's a really big well, that, but. Um, but it is, but, it, but it, well, no, but it, it's. I find it's telling that they say, okay, we're going to go and look after you in 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 education, right? If, so if you're a high school student, you are a student, you get diagnosed with some form of mental illness, and yeah, there's somebody there for you. The problem is, okay, you turn 18 and you're out the system. What do you do? There's no you. There's no um, uh, uh, transition. It's literally like, you're out. Good luck to you. Good luck finding a, a mental health professional to treat you as an adult if you still need treatment. If you, you know, it's it's kind of a tease and it leads to long, ongoing problems um, of people literally crashing on, uh, you know, without me being medicated without proper supervision or proper treatment or just being left to their own devices. It's honestly kind of inhumane and cruel to do that to uh, to people who might need long-term 
uh, treatment for various mental health uh, issues. It's not fair. That being said, um, you know, it, it may, maybe there's a part two coming somewhere down the road. I don't know. But you're right. That, that, that... I mean, I think if, if contrary to all the evidence we're getting right now, uh, Dodika won a majority uh, to form a government, it'd be a very recognizable form of government. And in some ways, this platform read to me as the most government ready almost i mean perhaps written because it's written by people who've actually been in government and you may see that as a bad thing or whatever that's just how just my mm -hmm. my i hope my biases are not playing a role there but maybe they are i mean I'm, um I, I, you know i mean i, 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 I felt I, the the ndp platform gaps are, are you know in a party that constantly says we're different we're different we're different to then have a platform that constantly bashes the other parties and says things that aren't honest about those parties. It's like, ah, you really undermine, you know, you undermine yourself. And then like, you don't even have a target for when we're going to be carbon neutral. Yeah. Come on. It's just not, not, not acceptable. The one thing um, I, I, I was telling you about this was, I thought it was a platform that tries to tie into it, but then doesn't quite carry it through. Or it just seems like a platform of mixed priorities. For example, um, I know we just, Poo pooed on the on the development portion of this, but there was one part where they were talking about basically allowing um, landlords of commercial zones area to be able to fund to transition that from commercial zone into residential units, possibly. And they had a whole mechanism, which was good. I, I, that's something we've been talking about for a while. And credit to where credits do. However, the dollar the dollar transit on Go and, and Northland Transit, I find weird. Um, because like, I don't, a lot of people are working from home now and we're going to spend money on a, the dollar transit on go service for the few that are still doing it. I just thought was, what's the priority here? Like, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you focus the priority on the, we're going to empower your employer to let you work from home if you want to. And yeah, uh, I, I just, I, I, I don't, I don't get, the, I don't get like, it, it, they haven't really been focusing on that angle. It's been like, Hey, we're going to give a dollar. We're, we're going to help your employee, your boss take you back into the workplace that you've been trying, you've been happily out of for the last two years. And, and it, it's, I mean, I know Karen was saying today, you know, in, in the kind of poll of what people care about, COVID is one of the things they care least about, like the kind of post-COVID world where we feel that's very important. The lecturer apparently just, but it, it does seem to me that you know, as well as all the bad things that came out of COVID, there were some good things and the working from home thing, the biggest good thing of all, yeah. you know, the, the fact that no government has kind of seized on that. Yeah, let, let's, let's say that, you know, um, you have a right to work from home unless there's a good reason not to. Maybe not five days a week, but maybe two or three days a week. Um, because, you know, what a huge contribution to cutting down on gas emissions that would. And to not even mention it, just the just, just lack of vision. Um, yeah, maybe you invest that same money could have been invested something along those lines rather than the, the transit. Um, yeah, yeah, I know even in the housing bit, there are good things. I mean, I, I think the idea of how having a housing corporation that basically works in the is to sort of target, to encourage and target housing. That could be a really good thing. It kind of doesn't really excite me on a gut level, but it might be one of those things that in practice is really important, but I just don't really properly abate that. Um, you know what? But, how, okay. But we're, we're coming up on the on the 45 minutes here, so I think why don't we leave it at that for... Uh, for now, um, but that's pretty much unless the conservatives come up with a platform in the next few weeks. That's pretty much going to be our con our platform coverage for this uh, for this election. Yeah, I mean, we, no, I mean, we, I want to cover the PCs. I want to give them their three good things as well as their three bad things. Not sure that we hit three in every case with every party, but we're there or there are better. Some good things. 
count it as two. Um, you know what? I, but I, I'm going to leave it at that. And let's let our uh, I, I want our, our listeners if you if you have things that you like or like in the platforms, let us know. And there's things that you thought we missed, let us know as well. Glad to give it a second them a second gander. But until then, uh, this is Joel McLeod signing off. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.